Uh, so this is our last week of this summer series. And as some of y'all have come uh, for all three. Some of you have just popped in as you can. Really thankful for y'all coming on your way out. You can thank Jeremy and our interns. I think they just slipped out. They pulled all of this together all three weeks. So be sure to thank them for all their hard work uh, pulling this together, the content and the logistics uh, every week. You got one clap. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Tonight we're going to talk about prayer. We've talked about worship like a mid- praying like a mid- they're the interns for those of you who do not know. Yay! Can we get a curtsy? There we go. Love it. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about praying like a missionary. So for some of you, your, um, part of your self-understanding as a Christian is you recognize that you've been sent somewhere. If that doesn't necessarily resonate, resonate, you've been placed somewhere. The fundamental idea is that God's put you where he's put you for a reason. And for some of you, that is a part of your self-understanding, and that's wonderful. And so hopefully these handholds that we'll talk about tonight will help you engage in prayer where he's planted you. For some of you, that's not yet your self-understanding. You hear us say, if you're a Christian, you're a missionary, you're a sent one, God's put you where he's put you for a reason. That hasn't necessarily penetrated into the core of your identity yet. And so my hope for you as we talk tonight is that if you would maybe start engaging in some of these practices, it would help you get there in terms of identity. You would almost act like fake it till you make it almost. Like you would begin to function in this way as a missionary and then that would the, the, the truth that you are one would begin to uh, penetrate your heart. So I just have three things I want to share, and then we're going to have an opportunity for you to respond and an opportunity for you uh, to discuss around your table. So we've got some, there's some slides here. You don't need to feel any pressure to write anything down. If you want them, you can email Kim and she can uh, get them to you. I don't know that it's anything revolutionary for sure. So one of the things when I think about missionaries, missionaries pray for a place. And for some of you, that may seem very um, elementary. It's not. Not very many people think about the place, the geographic place where they are as a mission field. You know, when we think stereotypically of God calling someone to another country, then place becomes important because I picked up my stuff and moved in response to some sense of the Lord's leading. But if you are where you are because of a job or because of school or because of a family situation, oftentimes we don't think about geography as being significant. And particularly where we live, where there are no geographic boundaries, some of you drive 20 miles to go to work, some of you drive 30 miles to go to work, some of us, we drive across town for church or for school because of the freedom and the flexibility that we have in terms of moving around. Geography, in in a lot of ways, is not important, but biblically, it's very important. You can't read a page of the Bible without seeing the name of a town or a mountain or a river or a lake. The whole the the idea of the incarnation speaks to me about the importance of of place. There's something about the locality of ministry, I think. And so, when I think missionally, or when I think like a missionary, part of it for me is saying. The physical space where God has put me is important. Spiritual geography is massively important. We talk about that here a lot. That's what we call doing your deal, justice work, counseling, helping 
feeding the poor, whatever that thing is that you do, you can kind of see that as spiritual geography. You're, you're working on these, uh, these areas of ministry. But I'm starting to wonder if physical geography is even more important when we think about community transformation. We have a map over in this other room where people put pins over Lent. Hey, this is where God has called me. And I don't know how many pins it takes to saturate a city. John Wesley said, the world is my parish. And there's some truth to that. But there's also, there's a bit of that that's not, it it wasn't his. Uh, He had thousands of people who he had sliced up parts of the world and said, here's your spot, and here's your spot, and here's your spot, and here's your spot. And so I wonder about us. What does it look like for us to say, this is my spot, and how big can my spot be? Can my spot, is it a street? Is it a block? Is it a building? I don't don't know. Those are some things I'm still trying to process through. But step one for us is to know where God has placed us. In the Old Testament, the inheritance that God gave the Israelites was dirt. And the way they marked the dirt was with boundary stones. And it was a serious offense to move a boundary stone. You were stealing. If you, if, you, if you took your boundary stone and you moved it out a yard or two yards or three yards, well, that was land that God had given to someone else. You're literally stealing from them. And if you pull your boundary stone in and that creates space between your plot and someone else's plot that then is no longer cultivated, it's chaotic, it's wild. And so for us, we want to recognize our boundary stones. We don't want to move them. We don't want to move them out. That's stealing. We don't want to move them in because then we're neglecting something that God has said you need to take responsibility for. And so step one, in terms of praying like a missionary, I would say, are you praying for a place? Are you praying for physical, geographic dirt? And if you're thinking, no, that's not even how I orient my life. That's not the grid that I use when I think about the way I live. I would encourage you maybe to start doing that. You can start thinking about the natural rhythm. I keep looking over here at Daniel. He's doing an internship in the Cobb DOT, and we're just talking. He's thinking about being an urban planner. And so, like, that whole way of thinking of, hey, there's this space, and how do we make the most use of it, and what do we have here, for you to begin to think that way about your own life. Where are the the natural rhythms of where you go and how you get there? Are there places that you feel tied to? I think one thing that can be a really practical way is prayer walking, which, honestly, I don't enjoy. It seems super corny to me, but I do it a lot. Because it's, I haven't found anything that's, I haven't found any way that's better. There's something about physically walking an area and intentionally being connected to the Lord as you're doing that. And I don't know any other way of doing it other than prayer. I don't talk out loud when I prayer walk. People call the crazy farm if you do that. Although now with Bluetooth, you can pretend. You can certainly just pretend that you're talking on the phone. But I do think. There is something to that, and if you're trying to discern, I don't know where my boundary lines are, that may be something for, to start with. So maybe you start with whatever you consider your neighborhood, like your street, and you just maybe start doing that when you walk. Maybe you do that around however it is that you, where you work, and for many of you, there's no connection point between where you live and where you work, and so you're probably going to have to pick between those two because there's no overlap. They're so far apart. And again, that's just the function of where we live, and there's nothing we can do about that at this point. So my encouragement to you would be, step one, figure out your place. Where is it that you feel like God has called you? What's the ground that he's given to you? Where are your boundary lines? 
And I would encourage you to try to focus on one. Again, if you work in a different place than you live, in a different place than you play, I would say pick one. Verses three at this point. So first thing, pray for a place. Second thing I would say is... Missionaries pray with passion and with persistence, with both. You can find people who are super disciplined, who work off a list, who pray persistently. They're going to hit it 7 o'clock every morning. They're going to be praying the same prayers. And you can find people who can pray with a great deal of emotion and feeling. They usually burn out quickly. Missionaries combine both. It doesn't mean every prayer leads to tears. It doesn't mean you never miss a day. But those two elements... Passion and persistence characterize your prayer. And the key to it is this idea, I'm just calling it a burden. That's not, that's not a biblical word. I do think it's a biblical concept. It's not a biblical word. It's, just, it's this spiritual responsibility that's God-given that you feel for this place. You know that phrase, God, I want my heart to break for the th- with the things that break your heart. That's the idea of a burden. God is sharing with you. His heart for a particular place. And anybody can have a burden, but most people don't because they don't cultivate that before the Lord. Hear this for the heart behind it. God's looking for people he can trust. And again, you filter that through your grid. God is looking for people who he can trust because that is sharing something of himself that's pretty deep. These are my, this God is saying, this is what I want for this city. And who wants to co-labor with me in that? It's not pearls before swine. Do you actually want to know? And if you do, he will share that with you. And you begin to feel a burden for a particular place. You can see that passage there from Romans. That's Paul talking about his people, the Jews. And you can, you can hear his heart. What he's, that's a, he has a burden for the Jews. If you read Nehemiah 1, when Nehemiah sees the wall of Jerusalem crash down, he, he falls down, he weeps, he fasts, he prays doesn't even know what to say. There's a sense of he has a burden for this city that's in ruins. And when you begin to feel called to a place, then the next step is to begin to develop a burden for that place. And when that really comes, that's, Lord, what are you doing here? God, I want to see eyes where this you want to fix. It's not about blaming. It's not about judging other people. It's just a recognition that no place fully embodies the values of the kingdom. And so where's that not happening on the dirt that you've given to me? And you begin to cultivate that burden, and it does need to be cultivated. I think it's something that God will share, but he's looking for us to carry with him, not apart from him. But we have to cultivate that. Many of you have been on short-term mission trips. And when you're there, you're like, I love this place. And, you get it, and you're all about Nicaragua or Guatemala or South Africa. Or you're all about that for 10 days. And then as you come back, it just begins, you, your burden for that place fades because you're not there anymore. There's something about the direct contact, literal boots on the ground, that helps keep that burden alive. Now, where we are, I think a lot of times it's not necessarily like if I'm burdened for Marietta, it's not because I'm not here. It's because familiarity kind of breeds apathy in a lot of ways. And I just, I lose track and lose sight of the fact that God has planted me here to do his work. And I just think, well, I just live here and I'm just trying to get through my day. So my encouragement to you, as you begin to say, I think these are where the boundary lines are for me. I'm not positive, but I think it may be here. 
then you begin to say, Lord, can you, if this is right, I'm asking you to, to share with me. Like, I, I want to be burdened spiritually for this place. I'm, I'm willing to, to be spiritually responsible for this place. I don't mean you're responsible for every person on the block, but I recognize I've got a calling here, and there's some, there's some spiritual ground that needs to be cultivated, and I'm saying, I'm, you call on me. I'm ready. And then as you begin to sense that burden, and there's a bit of an emotional piece to that as well. Again, doesn't mean you cry all the time, but there is, there is that, you can read the verse, there is that, there's an emotional part of that, pathos, if that's what you want to call that. And that fuels prayer. And then also this sense of this is what God wants to do in this, in this place, on my street, in this city. That I'm having a sense of that. That fuels prayer because you realize really quickly I can't do that on my own and that's not going to change overnight. And so that fuels that persistence in prayer. You keep asking and seeking and knocking because you have a burden to see this place changed and it hasn't changed yet. And so you can see how all of those things kind of feed off of one another and mix with one another. I have a sense of my boundary lines and so... Like if I would just to share personally, like I, for me, it, things are very much local. There's about a two mile radius that I live my life in. I don't know anything about anything outside of about two miles. I don't I read the Marietta Daily Journal. That's the only paper I read. And it's you know, it's right about half the time. So there's a lot of things I don't even know. Somebody asked me about the immigration thing the other day. And I said, I don't what are you talking about? I don't I didn't know. I found out. Our daughter was in Guatemala two weeks ago when somebody, Jeremy, said, hey, she's okay after the volcano. And I said, I didn't know there was a volcano. I, we, did, I have a small little thing. And that's, you don't have to be that myopic, but I am. And it, but it, and it focuses me. And that's, where, that's what I pray. That's where I walk, and that's where I pray, and that's where I eat. And that, like Everything that we do almost is within that little circle. We feel called to that. And so there's a, and I'm, I'm willing to say to the Lord, like, I'm here. We're not moving. This is where we are. We've got roots here. And so I, I do feel a burden for this area. And, the, and you maybe hopefully can say the same about whatever your version of that is. We talk about finding your Marietta, and that's where that comes from. We want you, and I want you, and I think the Lord wants you to say, God's placed me here, or he sent me here, whichever of those resonate most and I can say these are the boundary lines for me and they don't have to be rigid fences but in general like this this is my spot this is where I focus when I pray this is what I'm praying about doesn't mean you can't pray for Africa but there's something about being on the ground I think that fuels intercession in a way that's very difficult to maintain some of you have hearts for nations for distant lands and I'm not at all um, denigrating that but there is something about actually being physically present that fuels prayer, I think, in a way that's very difficult when you're distant. Last thing, missionaries engage in spiritual warfare. So don't hear that as some kind of hokey thing. I went to Argentina one time, and these guys were uber charismatic, and we were doing all this spiritual warfare and they had us they were like walk counterclockwise around this fountain seven times and we were driving stakes into the ground all over the place with bible verses written on them. i was like what are we what are we doing like what is this? i don't even i didn't know i said what are we doing they responded in spanish so i don't know i don't know what we were doing so for me you can you can do that 
Like, if you want to be weird, you walk around that fountain as many times as you want. You write Bible verses on bricks and make them cornerstones. You can do all of those things. What I'm talking about is recognizing there's a kingdom of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. And there's a battle between the two. And so when God burdens you and says, this is what I want to do in this place, recognize that there's an enemy who is opposing that work. And that's a spiritual battle. If you don't get that, you're going to wind up hating the people who live in the place. You're going to get frustrated with them. You're going to be self-righteous towards them. You're going to try to manipulate them because you're going to see people as the obstacle, and they're not. They're not. And so we want to remember who the enemy is, and we want to remember where the battle lines are being drawn. And it's in the spirit. It's in the spiritual world. And so we want to fight that, and the way we fight that is in prayer. So very simply, and again, you can, you can go a thousand different ways in terms of symbolism, and, and you can do that. What I would say just very practically, this is the place where God has planted me. What are the strongholds that I see? And again, that doesn't have to be super spiritual. What are the, what are the, the sinful patterns of thought and behavior that I see that dominate in this place. So when I think about my little two miles, one of the things I see is busyness. It dominates. People are driven. That's a stronghold. Money, worship of money. Like you don't have to be a rocket scientist to look around here and say, yeah, mammon rules in a lot of ways. Superficial and competitive relationships. You don't have to talk to too many people before you start realizing people feel left out and excluded. Very difficult for people to feel like they break in. So those are three things we call them giants here. Those are three strongholds in our little pocket of Marietta. And God will give you insight into yours. That's kind of part of what goes with that burden to pray. As you're doing that, he'll open your spiritual eyes and you'll begin to see, you know, there's a, a lot of people in this area really, they struggle with depression. And that's not, that's a stronghold. And you can begin to pray about that. And that's so part of spiritual warfare is, is recognize the other part of that is is combating that. And you do that by asking God to destroy the works of the devil. That's Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's first John, I think, three, maybe four. And so you can pray, Jesus, I want you to destroy these works. Destroy like I pray. God I pray that you would topple mammon in our city. Pray that you would move people towards lifestyles of simplicity and generosity, people who are trusting in money for their worth or for their identity or their security, they would realize that it, it, it's going to let them down. And I pray they go ahead and get let, let down now so they'd have an opportunity to turn to you. So it's just it's that kind of prayer. It, again, it's not anything crazy. It's, it's just a recognition. The enemy is actively working against what the Lord is trying to accomplish, and part of our job as missionaries and part of our responsibility and part of our privilege is to engage with God in that spiritual battle. There are things that we do as we're moving around physically, absolutely. But it's very important, I think, for us to engage at that spiritual warfare level as well. And again, there are other, there are other ways of doing that. I think that's just a, that's an easy on-ramp, is beginning to ask the Lord, show me the strongholds. If you live in a place, so this is anthropology, you see a place most clearly your first six months. So once you've been someplace more than six months, you're enculturated. You don't necessarily see the patterns. 
So if you decide or discern that your boundary lines are a place that you've lived for more than six months, you're probably going to need revelation to recognize the strongholds because that's just a part of, that's a, that's a part of uh, what's normal for you at that point. And so that, that's not a, it's just a reality to say, God, I've lived here for so long. I've, uh, this is the water I've been swimming in and the air that I've been breathing, and so I need you to speak to me. Show me. Show me. What are the strongholds? Not so I can judge, but so that I can pray. And it very well could be that the strongholds that are present in your field, are you're probably feeling some tension around those as well because you live there. doesn't mean you're giving in to those, but it may be an area where you're feeling squeezed because that's the work that the enemy's doing in that place. Does that make sense? So I would say, if you already recognize, hey, I know that I'm called and sent and placed, then I would say, where? Where are your boundary stones? Are you praying for that place? And I think all of these things, prayer walking is a very practical way of doing that. And you don't have to do it weird, but I would say it's something that consistently, it's great. It's hard when it's 95 degrees and 90% humidity, but I would encourage you to figure out how do I, how do I do that? How do I pray for the place? Maybe you can do it in your car at the beginning until you feel a little more comfortable. So that's once. Two, are, am I praying passionately and persistently? Do I have a burden for this place? Is it just something that I think or is it something that I know? God, burden me. Break my heart for this place and for the people who live in this place. And then are you engaging in spiritual warfare? Do you say, are you able to name this is a stronghold. This is one of the works of the devil in this place. And are you praying for, not just for God to destroy those works, but praying for the, core, the counter kingdom values, for God to establish those? That's good news when you think, if we step back and you think about it evangelistically, what is good news in that place? It's most likely the counter message to whatever those idols are, whatever those strongholds are. That's probably uh, an idea of what the good news is going to sound like in that place. But that's... Another topic for another day. Is that good? All right. Yeah? Anybody have any questions?